Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. Congratulations on finding Star Style. Be the star you are. Our vibrant hosts, passion, purpose, and possibility producer Cynthia Bryan and her energetic daughter, healthy living specialist Heather Brittany, share the best roads, fastest detours, and successful strategies for a life worth living. Reach your potential with their personal achievement coaching, miracle moments, inspiring guests, titillating interviews, and business bites. Be introduced to new books and innovative ideas that encourage you to live a positive, sustainable lifestyle while achieving your dreams. Ignite your power, make a difference in the world, and shoot for the stars. It's the power hour of living, loving, laughing, and learning. On Star Style, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now. Never say never. Live your dream. We are always making a difference here at Star Style, be the star you are. Hello, Power Partners, and we welcome you to our informational playground brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are Charity. We're your hosts. I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And we are coming to you live on the Voice America Network, the Empowerment Channel. Instead of waiting for something to happen, why don't you make it happen? The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity, empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, increased positive messages, and tools for living. And this is by William James. A new position of responsibility will usually show a man to be a far stronger creature than was supposed. So give yourself more responsibility in life. In today's second segment, we're going to be speaking with a return guest author, an award-winning author, Roland Alnock. And he is bringing us his newest book, his latest thriller called Prism. It's a combination of fantasy, horror, humor, mystical tragedy speculation it's a, it's a very fascinating book so you want to stay tuned for that and in our final segment we're going to talk about how to give a great TED talk so right now in health matters Heather will unmask our beauty blinders when it comes to grooming Heather I was getting a manicure the other day and was asked to put my nails under one of those light boxes I've read that they have UV radiation is it dangerous um, well, I'm glad you brought that up, Cynthia. Um, well, here's, you know, the, the information really about it. So gel manicures are totally all the buzz. Um, one, the highlights of it is it has this beautiful shiny gloss, and they last anywhere from two to three weeks. So for people who regularly get their nails done, um, it is uh, well worth it because you kind of keep this perfect manicure. But um, with the stuff that they use, 
um, it has to go under UV lights. And I have to say also, when I've gone to, uh, to get just regular manicures, I've been asked to put under the UV lights. So the big thing, long-lasting, the bad news about it is that you put your fingers underneath the UV lights to help dry the nails. Um, any UV light exposure in general um, is relatively risky, and this goes for just you know being out in the sun in general. Each lamp is different, and they each product is different. They actually make some gel nails now that just sort of go under almost uh, like putting your nails under a lamp or something like that. Um, the biggest thing, something you can help prevent any damage going on to you, um, in little doses, it's fine. But we've done things regarding skin cancer, um, and especially the places that people often time to forget, um, which include your feet, your hands, and your ears. So next time if you're going in, if they ask you to put it under the UV thing, and if you know that you're going to be going in, um, as a side kind of a help uh, protector, it's just to put sunscreen on your hands going into a, a Probably the best way to go is at least a UV 30. Um, and again, just you know, it's out. interesting because mine was just a regular manicure, but they have, you know, I said, gee, can I just put them under the fan? And they said, oh, no, no, they have to go under the box. And I didn't have sunscreen on, and I had to push the button. They leave it on for five minutes, and you got to push it three times. So you sit there for 15 minutes to let it dry. So I assume 15 minutes under those lights, that could be not so good. Well, again, with everything is that occasional exposure is fine. And, yeah, I mean, as you know, that's sort of the big things that everyone, the uproar with it is, you know, potential melanoma within your hands. Um, again, you could possibly put, hand, uh, put sunscreen on before. And also this is something that um, it is such a low UV radiation. It isn't that you're, it's a constantly being exposed to it. You know, it, it really is almost like a microwave light, but um, that's, it's fine in small doses, just not something if you're doing more and more um, when it comes to it. Um, another Got thing it. on the beauty blinders, um, things we talked about before, of the infamous Botox. And I have to say, you know, I'm someone I haven't ventured in those things. I'm not against. I'm not against any um, cosmetic enhancement. I just personally haven't ventured into them. Maybe uh, one day when I'm feeling, you know, wrinkles or more or what, um, I have nothing against it. It's just using, you really need, if you're doing anything, to always research it and do, um, you know, find good doctors. Don't find discount doctors. And well, before you go on, I mean, I think if you're an actor, you know, like we both are, it's not a good idea because it just erases all your lines and then you can't have any expressions. So, well, you know, I kind of earned those wrinkles. I, you know, I, I say, you know, the big thing, and I know I've had friends who have had lip injections or Botox and stuff. And again, I, I really mean, things kind of seem scary, especially regarding with your face because, let's face it, we've all seen really great work when people have got something done. And we've also seen those horror stories, they make shows out of it of, People who have had botched jobs or have, you know, gone in to get lip injections, they go, to, you know, they've had a discount kind of place, and instead of getting lip injections, you know, they're getting, uh, you know, I don't know, chicken fat ingested, you know, something, just crazy things. There's even been cement, just, you know, things that really can be deadly and caustic to your body. Um, the big thing when it comes to Botox, my sort of, you know, apprehension about it is, in general, Botox is a, a form of botulism when it comes down to it. And the big thing is what it does is it paralyzes the muscles. It fills in and it paralyzes the muscles, so um, thus decreasing wrinkles. Um, when you're speaking of actors, I think, you know, many actors, why there's, you know, that fear of aging in Hollywood. People want to be forever young. How men, you know, tend to become 
um, you know, almost more handsome and more regarded as they age, while women, you know, suddenly their roles disappear. They, they become the grandma. They become the mom, um, which for many women they fear. Some people, you know, you age gracefully. But the big thing when it comes down to it is um, Botox is an FDA-approved thing. And even more recently, um, beyond just the cosmetic use, for uh, facial things. It's also been approved now um, for people who have overactive sweating and as well as um, bladder leakage. So I don't even want to discuss where they have to inject That's stuff interesting. Like that. That's interesting. Oh, that doesn't sound like it would be... That sounds rather painful if it has yeah, to be injected in a certain area. Again, because what Botox does is it paralyzes the situation. Again, it's a botulism. But um, I, I'm one of these people, when I hear the word Botox, I think botulism. I think the disease. I think, you know, bacterial thing. I think it just something, you know, you can get actual botulism from opening, from having, opening a, a, a canned food if it wasn't stored properly. But the big thing when it comes down to it and with um, you know, regarding it, is, it is FDA approved, and we've discussed before of how expensive and how many trials a product has to go through. That doesn't, again, mean it's a save all because we also see in the commercials when they when they say what something does, that someone really quickly says all the horrible things, possible side effects. Uh, but when it comes to Botox, there's actually been it's actually safer than um, aspirin. However, it's, it has only been on the market for about 14. Um, exactly, excuse me, 12 years. So aspirin's been around since, what, the 1800s. But, um, you know, regarding people that come into emergency rooms or have died or have had incidents of uh, reactions, it is relatively safe for you. The best thing, though, is who is injecting it to you. Sometimes these people have injection parties, you know, where they have someone, or even sometimes you see at salons that offer that. Um, you really want to find a board-certified uh, doctor, someone who specializes in cosmetic surgery. Um, a lot of times, you know, you're right about that. I remember a couple of years ago, it was a huge fad for people to have. They were like a Tupperware party, but they were like a Botox or an injection mm-hmm. party, and they would just have somebody. I don't. I think it might have been a dermatologist. It wasn't even. Yeah. A, you know, it wasn't a certified uh, physician. Maybe it was a. You know, I mean, they would have like, um, not even a dermatologist, like a facialist, somebody who did facials. Yeah, and so I, exactly. Someone who really isn't qualified. Wasn't to be really qualified, things. right. So, That's again, scary. I feel, you know, a, a lot of us, and I'm always one for a budget, you know, and, and a good deal, but there's certain things, you know, especially when it's something regarding your health and I feel your face, your face is, is, your, is your card, is your business card, is you. Um, to be really cautious about that stuff because, you know, who knows, you know, the whole thing, you, know, you get what you pay for. Um, you, they could be injecting you with something that isn't, you know, the FDA-approved thing. That's one of those things, too, about how people go, you know, overseas or across the borders to get cosmetic surgeries, cosmetic enhancements, um, and it's really risky because, you know, you don't know if you are getting a good doctor and, and the actual product. And as we talked before, that many things in foreign countries are not what they say they are, that they're kind of, uh, you know, knockoffs of it. They're a combination. They might be cut with something else different. So being just really cautious of that is saying that if you are going to make these things, 
um, just do your research regarding the doctor, the person that's putting into you. Um, one thing, I am someone I love. I wear my lashes every single day. Um, I found that, you know, I, I personally, I put them on every day. I've, I found websites that I can buy hundreds and hundreds for, you know, just a couple dollars. Um, sent in from Indonesia, from China, all that kinds of stuff. But uh, eyelash extensions is a big thing. It can be rather expensive. I have friends that do it, and a lot of people say to me, why, you should just do it. You know, you're spending money on, on all these lashes. However, I feel like I know the secret because I'm getting them um, I'm getting them in, in bulk, basically, for so long. Well, and don't extensions only last maybe a couple of weeks? And they are expensive to uh, well, do. Yeah, and I, I, that, too, you have to have somebody who really knows what they're doing yeah, so or they the could hurt thing, your eyes. Yeah, so the big thing with eyelash extensions, um, they can last up towards a month to three months, depending on the product, they, you know, the kind of lashes. I mean, they even make mink lashes. Um, and, you know, and you have to have them put on, as I was saying, that they can make sense that sometimes they can be upwards, you know, three, four hundred dollars or more. It all depends on where. But the big thing, I feel comfortable putting on my own lashes, and I feel, oh, these extensions are really expensive. Uh, but the big thing is you can have, these are your eyes, this is what we're saying, on your face, um, be cautious of places that are inexpensive and that do it quickly. Lash extensions, it's, it's dangerous. That's going into your eyes and your cornea. That's another thing you really want to research, have good recommendations, have a lot of information about them because, um, one, you want to make sure they're using a good product, and, two, these can, these can be a painstakingly time thing, taking anywhere upwards you know, from, from three to six hours because they're individually gluing on with um, an strong adhesive to your natural lashes to make them enhanced. Um, the biggest thing they say that, you know, it's not the lashes themselves and it's not even the product, it's the text. It's the people, the lash text. It's the people that's putting it on. Lashes are relatively safe. It's the person that's putting it on you, similar to the Botox thing. It's, and this really goes, I feel, for any kinds of, of things, especially to your face. Um, even when it comes to getting your face waxed, I still have a small scar um, on my lip because I got burnt one time um, having a, a place they did a, a lip wax on me, and um, and I got burnt from it. So it's, it's wow. That um, sounds you know that sounds dangerous, you know, so and it, it also again, sounds it, it, very um, like painful. Yeah, so the big thing is it's knowing the, it's finding out it's about the people, researching it. If, again, if you go somewhere, the biggest thing they say, if you go somewhere they want you to keep your eyes open, or if it's less than $100, um, and as well as that it takes less than an hour, then you should just leave because that, clearly they're, they're probably skipping steps. Um, there could be something unhygienic, unhygienic. Um, so just, again, really researching that if you're going to have that done, that you want high, not only just high-quality product, but you want a high-quality technician that's going to be putting these when on you. When you say to research it, Heather, and to get the high-quality products and to make sure it's hygienic and all of that, are there warning signals, you know, besides the fact that if somebody says, oh, you'll be in and out in an hour, or obviously if you look at the place and it looks dirty, are there other uh, signs that yeah, people as I need just to look said, for? As, as I just said, if, regarding if they say, um, you know, regarding cost, regarding time, if they want you to keep your eyes open because your eyes should be shut during this. Um, and the biggest thing, you know, is this it could potentially scratch your cornea. So you, one... We live in the day, the world, you know, of Yelp, but I don't, don't make that your Bible because people can, it's a very one-sided thing. You know, people, they can pay people to say things as well as people who may be, you know, their competitors. 
Um, just look onto the market. It's simple as Googling and finding out and, and word of mouth, again, from other people. It's always the greatest thing and asking, you know, top salons what products they use, how long it should take, what is their methods. Um, it's simplest with anything, you know, similar to just getting a, a tattoo. They say, you know, tattoos in general are are no longer, there used to be this, you know, big fear of AIDS or hepatitis. You know, that any possibility they're sharing needles does not exist, you know, unless, again, unless you're going to a very unhygienic place. But the basic is going into a place and researching it, finding out what's their method, looking at their books, finding, you know, client research, um, and finding what's out on the market right now. It's, I feel, you know, things that, that can take a little longer and seem like a really big issue, but a lot of times I've learned my lesson from things that I feel I've shortcutted on things, and I've ended up, you know, in the long end being, you know, getting in trouble for it, um, and that, you know, that it has affected me. So I, I feel like if we're going to do any cosmetic things, anything to your face, anything to your body, do your research um, and find out more of the technicians. Another thing that's um, less of the technicians or the salon person that's doing it, um, it's the products themselves. Um, and actually how they're applied to it is spray tans. So one, you know, we've, we've just before about um, the tanning beds, how, you know, now um, I believe, at least in California, I believe you have to be at least 18 to go to the tanning beds, and there's been all this stuff that, you know, it's even more intense. Speaking of those UV lights that we talked about for on your hands, the left, basically you're putting your whole body in there. I know. Those much. tanning beds, they just scare me. First of all, they yeah. feel like a coffin, but I think more and more there's a lot of research coming out that there's, there's a lot of cancer coming from that. So to me, that seems like yeah. something it's better to stay away from. And if you really need a tan, you know, and you don't have access to going to, the, to sunshine, maybe just get a spray tan. Are those safe? Yeah, so that's what that's what I was getting onto. So the big thing, you know, with um, a lot of times people think is as an alternative instead of going to these cancer boxes, basically, is to do a spray tan. Um, the big thing with spray tan is DHA is the active ingredient in that, and what that is is it's actually been proven as a safe cream. I mean, just as you get, you know, you can buy self tanner at at home. Um, the one thing is that it's not a um, it's not approved to go through aerosol. So when you go through spray tans, it's someone that's actually putting it on you. And as we know, it's um, inhalants, and this even just goes for uh, hairspray, home, um, home room sprays, um, that long-term effects from inhaling this stuff um, can cause respiratory problems, can cause toxicity. So um, the big thing, if you are going um, to get a spray tan, is, you know, and these can be, you know, once, twice a month, every now and then. You usually say stay, excuse me, spray tans um, can last upwards of a week or so, depending on, you know, how much activity you have going on. As long as you're not breathing in the aerosol, you know, holding your breath or, you know, even taking a cloth over your mouth while it's being sprayed, you should be pretty good. They're it's pretty safe in that amount. Um, I mean, we've all been, you know, even just good when you get your hair done and, you know, they're, they're spraying air, you know, hairspray and you're coughing. And I know after teaching bar, um, when the girls come in to clean and they use, you know, these di- this disinfectant spray, go in there and I'm always like, oh, my God, you know, you can't breathe right when someone sprays that stuff. It's just so hard. 
And again, in short time exposure to things like that, it's fine. It's just going to cause slight irritation. Over time, this is where you can start to develop um, respiratory uh, oxygen, uh, issues as well as toxicity and things that, you know, you could get rashes, um, inflammation that your body starts building up almost an antibody to these things and starts reacting more quickly. So, it, again, just being aware of Being aware. Things. Well, thank you, Heather. Just uh, This is another fabulous health segment because we don't want to put those beauty blinders on and just think that, we can use any of the service that is touted in advertisements because commercials and advertisements try to entice us to buy this and to do that. But, you know, our safety is what's most important. So go ahead and wrap it up. Yeah, most definitely. Well, you know, as they always say that beauty is painful. Beauty is pain. Um, that can be true in some instances, but it should never be painful or deadly or against anything with your health. So, Always read the back of products, research your products, research your technicians, research your salons um, before you do anything to your body because this is the only thing that you truly have that's yours, so make the most of it. For oh. more information regarding us, the show, the books, all that jazz, go to bethestarur.org as well as bethestarur.com. Very excellent information. Thank you for that, Heather. And when we return, Roland Alneck is going to take us on his poetic roller coaster with his compendium of stories in his newest novel, Prism. Stick around for the fantasy fun and the fiction. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And you're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, on the Voice American Network. We are coming to you live, and we'll be right back with you live. Stay with us. The star you are, be the star you are, you are the star. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. Be the star you are, you are the star. Plug in your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts as our Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, gabs with the gurus. Lend us your ears for the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, here's Cynthia Bryan. Find all you need in a light that shines. Well, Be the Star You Are 501c Charity has a mission to improve literacy, increase positive messages, and give our world some tools for living. So visit btsya.org to get connected with greatness. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan live on the Voice American Network. We're coming to you on the Empowerment Channel, and this is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Well, when I think of an author who writes with melody and eloquently about topics that are not always beautiful or eloquent, 
Roland Allnut comes to mind. His novel, Oddities and Entities, traced a path through the supernatural, the paranormal, and the speculative, while his other book, Remnants, launched us from an illusionary reality to a devastating future. But now he has a new book out. It's called Prism, and readers are presented with some of the best stories he's ever penned, and he truly is a poet of the human experience. Welcome back, Roland, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thank you very much, Cynthia. I'm glad to be back. Well, congratulations on yet another fantastic book. Oh, thank you, thank you. It's very happy to hear that. <laughs> well, you know, I recently wrote, I read his book, uh, I read Roland's book, Prism, I wrote a review, and I described his newest book, Prism, as the odyssey continuing. You know, this, it was like an odyssey of grim and gruesome and groaning eruptions that really shatter our perceptions of what normal is. And somehow, Roland, you never fail to fascinate me with your lively, vivid imagination. And I promised readers and listeners that I would delve into the depths of your brain today. We're going to do some surgery on you. So I really, we have to start with that. Where do these ideas from all these incredible stories come from? Well, I would say there are two things. Uh, One, I've always had a pretty active imagination, not to uh, toot my horn, but <laughs> that's that's been there as long as I can remember from when I was a child. And as I've grown up, I've kind of uh, mated that with my life experiences, the, the things you see as you go through your life. And I also, when I look at things, I, I tend to just keep asking myself why or what would come next. And uh, it, it's really a question that is self-fulfilling in its creative potential because every time you answer it, it just opens another door. And sometimes these doors just follow their own path, or I should say I follow my own path through them. And I end up in a place uh, where the this, this story ideas start to congeal. And it's often uh, a perspective quite different from the everyday because I've gone through all those creative doorways, but I like that. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad it, it translates through the stories for you. Are you ever shocked by where the trail leads you with your stories? Because, you know, it's, first of all, the way you write is, I just want to read every word. You're incredibly descriptive. It's like you're an artist with a paintbrush. And, I, you know, the reader is there with you, and you, you make it so visual. Your words are visual. And that's not always the case with the writer. You know, you want to turn the page, but you're not really seeing or being with them. With you, you are. Uh, what's your when you're going through these doors and your mind is unfolding? Are you painting pictures in your head? Or are you really visualizing it, seeing it? Are you experiencing it? Are, is it in your senses? Tell me how that process works. Well, it's it's interesting you you pick up on that because I, before I started writing, I was quite involved with art, and I used to do a lot of uh, pencil sketching, uh, ink and paper. In fact, uh, a couple of my pieces from high school are hanging in my parents' house, which is pretty nice when I visit them. (laughs) But uh, most of the time as I'm going through, I'm really not trying to think of words themselves or descriptive passages. I'm just trying to concentrate on the imagery. Because really when I I put my stories together, when I write, it, it starts, it's like a movie in my head. And I like to challenge myself by saying, okay, I, I have the image 
that image has an emotional impact on me. That's really what's driving the creative impulse to, to put the story together. Now it's, can I convey that through my words? And because those images are what, are, what affect me in the creative process, I know I, I am obligated, so to speak, to carry those emotions through and get them onto the paper because my, my little, uh, you know, dime store philosophy is if uh, the reader, if you don't feel the story yourself when you write it, the reader won't feel invested in the story. And that, that comes through in setting, character, description, all those things to help make the story real. And if it's very visual, that's, again, that, that's how it's conceived in my head, so... It just funnels through. <laughs> We're speaking with author Roland Allneck, and his website is rolandallneck.com. That's A-L-L-A-L-L-N-A-C-H.com, rolandallneck.com, about his new book, Prism. His former books are Oddities and Entities and Remnant. You know, I find that so fascinating because I never, even though you've been on the show a few times before and we've chatted I never knew that you were an artist. You know, you've never mentioned that before. So that's interesting because the way that you write comes about in such an artistic and fluid way that it just seems to me that, you know, besides being creative and besides having this very vivid imagination, that you also have a concept of how a canvas entices someone and as you were saying about the reader that you have to feel it as the writer the reader feels it because I really sense that when I'm reading your stories and especially this one with prism because in prism you really went to a lot of different levels I mean you really I thought that the cover said it all you know you had fantasy and horror and humor and poetry and uh, you know it was mythical and historical and epic and all that stuff but you use the five senses plus more so it's like you have six senses in there I mean does that is that how you experience it as well I try to convey those things in the writing because, again, I feel your, your characters have to perceive their world in much the way real people are going to do, and that's what's going to make the characters real. So I think there are certain things that are common to the human experience through you know, all phases of our, of our history and our, our cultural legacy, which is one of the things that I, I love about literature because especially classical literature, which was such an inspiration for me with this book, is that the way people experience things, there, there are certain responses to your environment, the way you can draw cues from sight or lighting, shadow, uh, certain smells, you know, the, the effect of touching something cold or a warm breeze. These these have, I believe, primal triggers in your consciousness and your subconsciousness, I should say. But Well, let's go back to what you were saying about literature, yeah. uh, because you have in PRISM, there's a lot of Greek mythology in here. You have references like to Shakespeare. Uh, yeah. were you a, did you study a lot of, you know, of older literature did you like like the greek tragedies tell us about that well oddly enough when when i was in high school and you know my early teen years when you first get exposed to those things they they really didn't hook me in any way and I, not to 
knock my, my teachers because I had a lot of respect for my English teachers over the years. But, uh, you know, it's, it's high school. You're given material. You have to, you know, respond to it in a certain way. You have to memorize your soliloquies and stand in front of class and recite them. And that was like agony for me. But uh, later on when I, when I got to college and certainly after I graduated college, I started to see a lot of these classical types, especially the real old, like, like Homer and Shakespeare, to see them in their verse form and get to read them at my own pace, with my own understanding, and that's when it all really started to click. And then I, it, it hit me that this is why we, we hold on to these things for all these years. And But I, I looked at them, too, when I was crafting some of the, the pieces that are in prism. I, I wanted to try to channel some of that literary heritage because they've had such a huge impact on the way I try to write. And there, there are elements in classical literature that I always try to weave into my prose. It's, it's contemporary prose. And even the, the pieces here, uh, the, the piece I did with Epic Verse of Typhon and Arena and the uh, Shakespearean tragedy I wrote called Titleist, while they are clearly <laughs> benchmarked in those traditions, I try to bring my inspiration from those original pieces through the writing in a contemporary form so they're accessible. So really what I wanted them to be is a celebration of that tradition and bring it forth. It's a type of writing that you really don't see nowadays, and I, I just felt as someone who loves to write and loves to create stories for readers that this is something I wanted to share. Well, and they are fresh. You know, they're fresh and they have, they, even though they're done in a classical manner, they have like a new twist to them. Oh, and that you. is what is very, what I appreciate and I think what is very uh, interesting for people. Now, how did you choose which story was going to come first and what, how it would follow, et cetera? Because I think this is always, you know, when you're writing individual chapters of stories so they're they they're stand alone articles basically that become chapters how did you choose where each one was going to go did did you really have to think about this did you send it out for a survey with friends or colleagues because you know depending on the order of the stories it it depends on how far people are going to get through the book yes and uh, you may not believe me when I tell you this story, but <laughs> it's an interesting story. And I will believe you because I, well, the stories that you write, you know, are so unbelievable <laughs> that well, they're believable. <laughs> I think that yes, is a compliment. Tell us the story. <laughs> but uh, I, I have been getting my short stories published one by one over over the last few years, really, because it's it's really only been a few years that I've been, you know, approaching the publication world. But as I was getting the stories published, that chronological order that they saw publication is actually the same order they appear in the book. And one of the things that compelled me to put prison together was that when I looked at my stories and started looking through them, reading them on my own from story to story, I really felt like they, they blend together well, they complement each other well, and I think it, it kind of shows in a way how my, my my literary voice, if you want to get haughty with terms, but how my oh, uh, narrative voice was developing and right. where I was 
kind of building myself and building my comfort zone with my writing and exploring different things. The latter pieces of the book, which have not been published, those I put in a very conscious order because I wanted them to then translate from piece to piece. I feel like the stories take you way out and then going into the the new pieces, I wanted to slowly curve back in and then finish with the final story, which is, as, as you've read on your own, it's sort of like an ode to my own creative little process, but I, I think it's a nice way to cap the whole book off because after all these tangents and imaginative flights, it's very grounded and it, yet it's very personal and a little abstract. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, because when I was reading the acknowledgments, I'm, as you know, I'm a person that I read every single page and I don't skip and I don't try to speed read. So I would, you know, I read the acknowledgments, you know, any dedications, everything. And I would noticed in your acknowledgments that you put down where the original publications of the different uh, chapters had been, starting with the summer of 2008. And then Beheld was ending, uh, I believe it was like 2012. But then, as you said, the latter ones, they weren't there. So I was wondering how you, you know, how you formulated that. Now, something to me that's so fascinating, too, is for over 20 years, you worked in um, a hospital, and you worked in the night shift, so you obviously saw lots of things that go bump in the night, right? Yeah, indeed. (laughs) You experienced a lot of different things. During that time, were you doing any writing or recording, or because I, I imagine many of the kind of the more bizarre things that you write about must have developed from some of your experiences or sights or stories or, you know, the perceived things that happen? Well, I, nev- I never took directly from something I saw because I-, I have a little rule of thumb in my head and is that's my fiction is my fiction and reality is reality. And I try to keep a nice little line there. But one thing that I, I have to accredit to my work experience and life experience in general is, but this, this applies more so for some of the things I saw at the hospital. Uh, sometimes in that setting, you walk into a room and it, it's not, not to belittle what's going on because it is you know, very personal for some people who are involved in it, but you walk in as an outsider and it's a scene right in front of you. And right away, at least for me, I found myself picking up on little, you know, expressions of people. You get a sense of the emotion in the room. And without really anybody saying anything or you even, or me even being aware of what actually is going on, I would get a feeling and there would be a context there unspoken. So that sensitivity is something I try to translate into my writing as the way I compose my scenes, the way I try to build the reactions of characters, their interplay. Uh, I, I often like to say that I like to write on you know, layers, levels, where characters, sometimes when I, I think to myself when I proofread, if I take the dialogue out of the scene, if I skip all the dialogue and just read the prose, is there still a flow to the scene? Is there still an interplay between the characters? Because that's how people are. And likewise, sometimes I read it with only the dialogue to see if the 
the words are translating the way I would want them to, given the, the situation of the scene. So, I would uh, the the short of the long explanation would be, I, I think it's just a, a matter of experience and life wisdom. Uh, certainly, I've seen things that in my normal life I never would have seen or never expected to see, and I just tried to add them to my uh, inventory of sensitivity and awareness when crafting my fiction. So, Wow. <laughs> it's fascinating. You know, it's, I'm always just so fascinated on our minds and how they work and how they create yeah. the stories, the scenarios, the the experiences that we as readers are going to be interpreting and painting into our own lives. For you, those of you just joining us, we are speaking with Roland Alnack, and he is a multi-award winner for his books. I believe he's had more than 12 national awards, including honors from the National Indie Excellence and from Forward Reviews, and he, his books have been a reader's favorite the newest book we're discussing today is Prism, which is a compendium of many different stories, some of which were published in the past in literary magazines, and others are brand new to the book. Uh, oh, Roland, I know that you're a real family man, so yeah. how does your writing fit into your family life? Do you have a way that you, I mean, do you have a little studio, and you go, and they shut the door, and you say, when the door is shut, that's that, or do you carve out minutes when the family's asleep? Uh, do you let the family read what you've written? How, what's your process? Well, typically, uh, you know, I work off shifts and I'm back and forth with my time and my sleep, so the, the house has a normal schedule for everyone else, and I'm kind of bouncing around and floating through <laughs> through all of that. Uh, so kind of like of most writers is what you're saying is that we, we grab the time when we can. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what I was, I was going to say is that uh, most of my writing time at home comes when I'm off. I, for better or worse, and I don't sleep so great. So I tend to wake up very early in the morning, and I find it's, it's a really, it's really uh, productive time to, to be creative because it in a way, it's almost like I'm, a, I'm floating a little bit in the world because I come downstairs, I have my cup of tea, it's dark, it's quiet, there are no interruptions. It's, it's a very peaceful, sedate time. And then I can sit there with my netbook and just let my imagination go. And it, it can be very productive. And the other time I get a lot of writing done is when I take a vacation. And one of the things I love to do on vacation is, is write. And uh, you know, I, I can go away and... I can write thousands and thousands of words in a week or two, and it feels wonderful. <laughs> you know, but, isn't uh, it wonderful that how writing is really what is your go-to enjoyment process? I mean, obviously you have other things you enjoy, but writing is right up there with one of the great, you know, releases for you. And at the same time, it is providing entertainment and, you know, edutainment to people, <laughs> other people who are reading what your words are. I try. <laughs> well, tell I, I me try. something, Roland. Do, do any of these characters that come out of your vivid imagination frighten you? Because sometimes when I am reading some of the stories, these characters, I mean, you have, they are so descriptive. You have, I mean, I see them behind me. I see them when I open a door or window. It's like, turn on the lights. I don't want to be alone right now. Are you ever frightened by any of the scenarios that you create? 
Uh, well, actually, what you describe is, is what I go through on my own sometimes. Cause Do you? Yeah. They're, yeah. They're floating around in my imagination, so uh, they're there with me. But writing is the way to to let that go, and um, I I guess it's just me, but uh, my imagination tends to go to some pretty strange places, and uh, it, it tends to be pretty real for me. So it, it's, uh, you know, being able to write those things out, it feels good because I can let them go. I can, in effect, compartmentalize them in a character. But uh, certainly there are some times where I'm in character, so to speak, writing a scene, and I'll find myself going in a direction with the character where I, I kind of wonder, boy, where did that come from? But Right, right. I can uh, see that. I can see that because... There are, and again, I never like to give, especially in a book like Prism, I don't want to give away any of the, you know, any of the characters or anything what it's like. But, you know, you'll be reading along and you think this person is like this, this good person and all of a sudden there's some darkness that comes in. And, you know, yeah. and you write about, you have such a breadth of topics because you introduce like the supernatural and... Um, you know, again, the speculative, and you get, and then there's always the horror that's in there, and a lot of it is fantasy. But with that, you weave in the humor and the humanity, and so it, it just, it, I'm always amazed by the way you bring it all together, and how each story, how you wind up the endings of your story, and you really aptly named this book Prism because. Prism, it is just like I just see these shadows of light everywhere, and it's as if if I took that prism in my, I mean, I'm holding my hand right now like I have a crystal in it, and it's like all these little lights are, you know, are shining all over the place, and each one of those those fractures is another piece of your imagination that you have brought to life in Prism. Well, thank you. <laughs> it was it's really great. Well, listen, I want you just to, why don't you leave us with your final thoughts, because we're out of time. I want to give out the we- website, rolandallneck.com, and I'm going to spell it because Roland has one L, R-O-L-A-N-D, and allneck is A-L-L-N-A-C-H.com. The name of his newest book is Prism, and it is available online or at bookstores and if it's not at your favorite retailer ask for it prism by roland allneck will you just give us a final wind up of what's next or what you want to happen for your future or maybe we just have to wait and see well i'm working on a couple of uh science fiction books right now a a trilogy actually because Everybody seems to be loving to write these trilogies, so I figured, let me take a shot at that myself. So <laughs> that's uh, my next big project that I'm, I'm winding up right now. And I'm also uh, piecing together another anthology of creepy little stories <laughs> to keep people up at night. And, oh, uh, gosh. I definitely have to get a brighter light. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well, they're, they're, these are going to be uh, a little bit more towards uh, a horror slant. But uh, if I could just say, you know, comment on what you have been saying about the prism and different lights of imagination. Uh, yes, the, absolutely, the, the title of the book was uh, very much by plan, and the, the one takeaway I, w- I would like to, to leave with people, or the one giveaway I would like to leave, is it, through life, people are always trying to find uh, a way to make sense of their place in the world, a place in their life. And there's many different ways 
that can happen, and there's many different things you can experience in life that are going to affect that. And all the different things I cover in the book, all the different genres, all the strange things, the not-so-strange things, the scary things, the humorous things, and everything in between are just all different ways to try to examine how people do that. And I think it's something that is an endless source for conjecture and creativity. Well, and you are definitely the author to do that. As I wrote in the review, this book, Prism, is really a wild ride. I call it an e-ticket, if anybody remembers what the e-tickets at Disneyland used to be, where (laughs) those were the... Those were the big babies, boy, where you really had to have a seatbelt on. But you are very optimistic in what you write, and there's always um, a flourish of uh, in your prose. And again, I call it poetry. It's, it is, I don't even know what, how you would describe the way that you write, because it's like poetry and prose. It's just so beautifully done. But I'm always so fascinated by your words, because... Your books are just page-turners. But for all of you who, like me, are a little afraid of horror things, do get a very bright nightlight or read the book on a, at the beach. <laughs> okay. It might be a better idea, right? Thank you, Roland, for coming on Star Style. Be the star you are again. I hope that you will come back with your next ones, and I know that your trilogy will be a success as well. And I think it's a great idea to write a trilogy because people do like to kind of find out what's going on, you know, that's like you, you don't like things to end. So, but great job with prison. I really like the idea that you incorporated so many different methodologies and different genres in one book, because that just, to me, kept me fascinated. So well, thank, thank you, you for prison. Okay, well, thank you very much, Cynthia. I was very happy thank to be on you. here. Thank you. Roland Allneck, uh, visit his website, rolandallneck.com. Roland, until the next time. Absolutely. Until the next time, Cynthia. Until the next time. Right on, my friend. (laughs) You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We will be right back in a bit, and we have a little bit more to come, so don't go away. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. You might have heard of the laws of stratospheric success. Well, Brian Tracy, who's been an influence in my own writings and philosophies, shares some great tips for making wealth happen. The law of value. If you learn to give more in value than you initially get in price, you're soon going to get more business and grow your profits exponentially as a result of people telling others that you give great value. The law of compensation. Your income is determined by how many people you serve with excellence. The more you serve, the more walking, talking ambassadors you have in the marketplace that will help you grow your business. So give exceptional value plus exceptional service, and that will give you exceptional prosperity. The law of influence. People do business with people they know and trust. The more you value and service you give, the more people who know and trust you 
the more they will do business with you, and then they will encourage others to do business with you. The law of authenticity. People respond to people who are true and authentic and not phony. So in business, you really need to tell the truth and walk your talk and be on target all the time because that is being authentic. So when you be authentic, people will want to do business with you. The law of perception. When you start giving, you know that you will also start a flow of receiving. So be open to give, but also be open to receive. Be wise in business and life because you want to learn from others. Remember, you are the star of your own your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business fight from Star Style. For information on booking or coaching or a consultation session, call 925-377-STAR. That's 925-377-7827 or visit starstyleproductions.com. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. BeTheStarYouAre.org Be the lucky star you and jumpstart your dreams with positive, life-changing interviews and star-studded conversations on our award-winning program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, hosted by the passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Find all you need in a life Well, we always appreciate you being here with us on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I am your host and personal growth coach, Cynthia Bryan. For more information about Star Style, visit StarStyleProductions.com. And for information on the charity that brings you this show, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. Well, the TED Talks are all the rage today, and perhaps you are going to be giving a TED Talk. So I wanted to give some tips on how to prepare a TED-worthy presentation, because it's so important to have a great delivery system. First of all, you have to follow the 18-minute rule. Now, whether you are a humble academic or a researcher or you're somebody famous, every TED presenter is given no more than 18 minutes to speak. So research shows that speeches that exceed 20 minutes increase the anxiety levels of those listening. So you want to be mindful of the length of your talk and ensure a positive experience. The second rule is to share your passion. Dig deeply and identify what it is about your topic that makes your heart sing. Because when you're preparing your TED Talk, you want to show your passions. You want to speak to something that is not only going to make you choke up, but really drives other people's emotions as well. Think visually. Employ visuals to take audience members on a journey that drives your message home. 
When we speak, retention is only about 10%. But when you add photos, it goes up to 65%. Tell a couple of stories. Now, audiences like storytellers, so you want to establish an emotional connection through stories. Again, there's studies that show that when a story is being told, a listener and a teller are in sync, meaning that their brain lights up the same regions for both parties. I know for me, when I'm writing a, writing a story or telling a story, that I learn better when I hear stories. And when someone tells me a story, I will remember that person, I'll remember that experience much more than if they just give me, you know, these boring old facts or a PowerPoint, you know, with check marks that I have to do. Practice being natural. The more you practice, the more natural you'll be. You want to internalize your content, understand it, and then speak from the confidence of your heart. You know, by knowing your material, it gives you confidence. And by not using notes, you're giving confidence to your audience. So remember that you truly can make a difference with your talks, whether they're for a TED Talk or any kind of delivery. If it's whether it's at school, at church, or in front of a club, always speak from your heart. Well, thanks so much for being great listeners and allowing us into your life every week. We hope that you will always be tuned here 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific with me, Cynthia Bryan, and with our health hero, Heather Brittany. We love being your personal growth success coaches. And we like bringing you the expert advice from our renowned authors that join us from around the globe. We really believe you can change your lives and make your dreams come true. So for more information about Star Style, visit StarStyleProductions.com. And if you want to book a consultation, you can call the studio, 925-377-STAR. If you'd like to make a donation to the charity and our new project that we're launching called Possibilities for Prisoners, please visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. You can click on the PayPal there. And we just got a donation from a student, actually, who donated $16 for our 16 years as a charity, I thought that was very sweet. So any amount helps. And again, this new project, Possibilities for Prisoners, is going to help people who are incarcerated. So be the star you are.org. Also, make sure to visit our sister uh, network, uh, Voice America Kids, where we produce the show Express Yourself Teen Radio every Tuesday at noon. And you can find out more information about that at expressyourselfteenradio.net. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. We want you to see beyond your physical being and know that you're already a star. Dream of the future, cherish the past, but celebrate today. And read a book this week and pick up Prism. You will find it fascinating. Until next week, remember that love always wins. Kindness always prevails, and smiles keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan. This has been Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I encourage you to be the star you are. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference. Be the star you are. The star you
It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to www.bethestarur.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. You are.